Hello, everyone. My name is Damien John, and you're listening to Massage Therapy Now in conjunction with the RMTBC, the Registered Massage Therapy Association of BC. Today, we have our guest from Vancouver, Bodhi Haraldson. I've known him for a long time. He's a friend of mine. He's been working as a registered massage therapist for many, many years now. I have always known him as a bit of a research guru slash nerd (laughs) and I hold nerds in high esteem so that's not a put down by any stretch and he has been really integral in moving forward a lot of uh, ideas as it relates to massage therapy practice in the province Uh, so I thought let's interview this man and see what he has to say about research and a few other things hi Bodhi how's how's it going in Vancouver this It's awesome. The kids are off to school. I've had my coffee and uh, we're chatting. So this is good. Yeah. Great. Vodi has been, you've been working in the field 25 years. Is that correct? 25 years. Yeah. Wow. It's a lengthy amount of time. And you started in Ontario. I did. I went to um, uh, Sutton, Ontario, which is just north of Toronto, uh, 1991. Okay. Iceland. So, yeah. Ontario from Iceland. Yeah. Yeah, wow. I was still in high school then. (laughs) (laughs) I was grade, what was that? Grade 10 for me. Grade 10. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Bodhi's also a Tough Mudder competitor, and he's got the strongest hands. So if he's handshaking you, you've got to have your uh, grip ready for a firm firm shake, I've noticed over the years. Today, we're going to talk research and we're going to dive into the ideas around research and we're going to keep the same format as usual, three-ish questions, keep it to about half an hour and see where we go. So I'm going to start with this question, Bodhi. As an individual who finds a deep value in, in research, why is it important to bring research to the field of massage therapy? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, as a therapist that's been working for 25 years, my thoughts have sort of changed over the years. And um, you know, when I went to school, um, there was not a single research paper talked about uh, in our program. Um, all of our notes were were uh, hand me downs from teachers beforehand and the teachers beforehand that, and and it was sort of a um, almost like an oral tradition, uh, but written down. And as, you know, as I work, worked in, in various areas and, and uh, with various professionals, you know, they started asking me questions and they said, you know, why do you do this this way? And why do you do it that way? Or, you know, uh, you know, trigger points, for example, you know, they're a big thing now, but back in 1994 or five, I was working at a rehab hospital in Iceland, I had gone back home. And uh, we had a big debate about trigger points back then. Um, and, uh, you know, so it, it's not a new thing. And, and uh, for me to be able to answer those questions that these people had with, with um, solid research behind me saying, you know, this is what the research says. This is why I do it instead of mm, my teacher told me so. Right. Um, and so when you're working in a field uh, like that rehab hospital where it had specialist doctors and specialist physios and going you know yeah hey you're a part of this team um you know why do you do this and uh, why 
you know, tell us about what you're doing and, and, and explain this to us. And, um, and I still remember one time there was his heart specialist there because we did uh, pre-op and post-op <clears throat> rehab of, of people before heart surgeries and other surgeries. <clears throat> and, um, you know, we had a, a chat in his office and there was this one patient that I was having a hard time with. And, and he said, well, why are you focusing on, on X when you should be doing you know, it could be doing why. And, and, and I said, you know, I, had, I had no idea. <laughs> uh-huh. And so it's, 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 it's a way of being able to be a part of the team, the healthcare team, no matter where it is and what, what kind of clinic or hospital or, or, or um, outreach or whatever you're doing to be able to communicate to them in the way that other healthcare professionals communicate and understand what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm remembering school, and we went to, I went to school probably 10 years later than you and similar kind of process of what we learned, not much in the way of research behind the treatments we were doing, but this real strong belief in the thought that the people who were teaching you were teaching you the right thing and, and not even having a questioning mind about it, which is really to, to me nowadays really striking because I went into my work as a massage therapist thinking all of these things were correct and, and never having the thought of ever questioning it because I'm not a science based human. I don't think about it from a research perspective. And I, I did get some of the same questions as you from different people and I'd answer it with the veracity of thinking that I knew what I was told that I should know, but never knowing where the information had really come from. And then as things unfolded over the years and I got more information from various people and different conferences and symposiums and individuals saying, well, maybe we don't really know what we're saying. We think we know to people. It was shocking to me. It was, it was really eye opening. It took many, many years uh, for that to actually be a, th- a thing for me. Do you think that's still happening in our schools where people, students aren't supported in, in a questioning mindset? Uh, I think it's changing rapidly uh, now. You know, if it, but, you know, 10 years ago, I would have said yes. Uh-huh. Um, uh, today, I know of a lot of teachers that are changing that um, discussion, both here in BC and in Ontario. I'm not familiar with other provinces um, as much. Um, but I do know that you know a lot of teachers are are um, are changing that direction, and they they're you know asking the students to to be critical thinkers and and um, and getting them to to question you know in a way that is 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 um, conducive to to learning and to furthering the profession, um, furthering our knowledge. Um, you know, if you think back, way back when, you know, Swedish massage, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Now, that came from, from Europe in the days when they were being introduced to um, the, the oriental style of, of massages. You know, the, the terms effleurage and petrissage and all those are just uh, the European um, terms used for the, the oriental massage that was coming in and they were being exposed to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they... At that time, they had they were their understanding of the human body was all around blood flow, and that's sort of where our our a lot of our uh, Swedish massage uh, techniques uh, theories come from. But you know, we're 
knowledge changes and, and um, you know, knowledge comes in like in those days and you translate it to what you know and the science that you have and that's continuous and it's always changing and improving. And, um, you know, I think today uh, it's happening at a, a much, much faster pace than it ever did. Uh, and I think that's part of the part of the issue that's going on is is the the pace of change and the pace of knowledge that is coming at us is just intense. Uh-huh. Do you think it's useful for students going into the registered massage therapy profession to really question what is being a registered massage therapist? Because one of the arguments that I come across from current therapists is, well, this thing that I do works, helps people, but it could be something as esoteric as crystals or whatever, whatever your preferred thing to work with is. Uh, and so it makes it confusing to a, an individual who's new to the field as to what a registered massage therapist is. If you were to define that, to define registered massage therapy and its difference from uh, some of these other practices, which could can be useful to individuals, but aren't necessarily registered massage therapy. What, what, what would you, how would you explain the difference in the de- your particular definition of being a registered therapist in BC? Yeah. Um, I often think about, you know, what is, it, what is it that differentiates us from the average, let's say, you know, body worker or healer or or alternative practitioner that's out there because the the work of a massage therapist you know the term massage and and the action of doing a massage is not a, a protected act anymore in bc or, or in most other places so what is it that differentiates uh, the profession and what we do from everybody else and in my mind it's it's that we're a healthcare profession and you know we we have a have a high amount of ethics and values in in um in science and in research and in um, integrating into the healthcare system as it is you know we're um, if we focus on on uh, and bring in all these other aspects that are more alternative and more esoteric um it really wipes out that delineation of of the difference between what an rmt is and what a a body worker or a healer is mm-hmm. that's out there in, in people's minds. So we need to have a clear definition of who we are and, and, and how we practice for the public to understand that because the public gets really uh, mixed up about who does what and how and all that kind of right. stuff. And, and, you know, for example, in my clinic, you know, people say, well, uh, when they come to see me, oh, go see body because he does both massage therapy and physiotherapy. I said, no, <laughs> I do massage uh, I do a lot of exercises. I do a lot of education, um, but in in the public mind, you know, massage is massage, and physio is exercise, and chiro is manipulation, and 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 so um, a lot of people have that kind of delineation in their in their minds, and so we need to we need to define what we do and how we do it uh, in a way that the public understands it and also differentiates us from not just from. Uh, other professions, but from other healers and 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 um, body workers. In the yeah, for sure. And that's not to devalue these other people that are doing this style of work, but to, like you say, delineate what it is that an individual does. And if you're an individual who is thinking about becoming a massage therapist, then it's 
it's really useful to get that definition strongly in your mind before you go into the field because then you you know what your goals are and you don't get confused at the end of the day if you want to bring in something different that's not science-based and and that really came to my mind or, or became uh, really cemented in my mind in the past probably three or four years as I discussed more and more with people what the profession was and having that delineation is really important and, and also the idea for me anyways to not demean or devalue these other places or these other people's style of work but to really have that so that so that the public knows what you're doing because if you go to a massage therapist who places stones on your chakras and then you go see yourself they're going to be totally confused absolutely and and um you know if we look at our in, in bc anyway um the non-regulated provinces it's not as easy but here we have our scope of practice and, and um the scope of practice is quite clear you know that um those alternative um approaches are not part of our mm-hmm. scope not part of what we do you know you can do that just like if you're if you're a psychologist you can be a psychologist and an rmt at the same time you just can't do both in the same sessions you have to have a delineation between when you're one and when you're yeah. the other uh, both in your records and in your marketing and and uh, in the, uh, making sure that the patient understands that the two are very different uh, so if you are an energy healer um, great but just don't mix it in with your uh-huh. RMT work. you think that's part of our job as registered massage therapists to educate the public about that yeah. difference? Oh, ab- oh, absolutely. Um, it, it's a huge part of what we do is, is to get them to get patients to know what we can do and cannot do um, as part of our informed consent. Uh, when you're telling them what you're going to be doing, how you're going to do it, why you need to do mm-hmm. it. Uh, that is, um, uh, you know, I think those two things, our scope of practice and informed, informed consent is is a uh, massive part of what makes us regulated uh, health profession right. um, versus versus a non-regulated yeah. person. Do you find that uh, the over your twenty-five years of work that the public's knowledge of what you do is shifted in a in a positive way? Oh, huge! Absolutely uh-huh. massive. Uh, you know, I remember coming out of school and telling people what I did, and they were like, "You're doing what?" <laughs> why would you want to do that you're a guy (laughs) and uh you know yeah um now people go oh you know where do you work i you know i i go to see an rmt or or uh they ask me questions about how to help with certain things and and yeah it's a massive difference jumping back to the research a little bit I am not a researcher and i don't read research papers and i have done a little bit of it over time but Let's hit on a couple points that came up for me, just as a real basic intro to research. For one, how how would a person, a layperson who's a massage therapist, access relevant research? Well, uh, if you're an RMTPC member, um, there is a librarian that uh, that works at the association that's more than happy to uh, happy to help you uh, find the papers that uh, you're looking for. Um, they also um, maintain access to research papers that you can uh, get through the association. Um, uh, 
outside of that, there is um, Google Scholar is is absolutely awesome in finding um, a lot of PDFs of research papers that are usually behind um, paywalls. Uh, so they're shared by they're usually shared by the authors themselves, or they're shared by universities where you can get the, the actual PDFs of the research paper. Um, Google Scholar and PubMed are probably the main ways to find research uh -huh. papers. So you'd go onto something like Google Scholar and type in trigger points and you would have a, a slew of information. <laughs> you probably have about 10,000 different papers. <laughs> uh, so the, the, the way to um, get the papers that you're uh, interested in or that are uh, of interest to you, um, you have to have keywords that you're looking for. So if you go trigger points, uh, if you're looking for um, if you're looking for the theory of trigger points, or if you're looking for trigger point therapy, or if you're looking at the etiology or what causes trigger points, uh, so you would need to put sort of a, a couple of keywords in there to narrow it down. Otherwise, you're just going to get uh, the massive volume of, of thousands, if not ten thousand, uh, right? On, on that. Which is where the RMTBC librarian is really useful. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it should be awesome for that. And, and, and just playing around with it, you know, if you go in and you put in trigger points, see what shows up, okay? I'm going to put, put in trigger point and therapy and see uh -huh. what shows up. Or I'm going to put in trigger point and athletes or trigger points and whiplash, right? right? Um, you can, um, or, or, you know, if you do, if you want to know the latest sort of controversies or latest theories uh, around it, put in, you know, uh, those those keywords in there and see what, what comes up. It's kind of a slippery slope I found the research place because so you say there's ten thousand say you find ten thousand just as a number of these papers. So lots and lots of information and then you find something that fits what you're thinking about and then you get excited about it, maybe because you're you're not a scientist, so you can't really figure out whether it's a quality research paper or not. And then I've, I've seen it online in, in places like Facebook forums and stuff where, where the real scientists are, are saying, Ugh, that, that is not good research. And so how do you suss that out as a, as a lay person? What's, what's a quality piece of research and, and, and how do you know? Uh, do you have about two hours? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no, no, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll try to uh, synthesize that down. Uh, so when you're looking for uh, research, you want to look at sort of the highest level of research. And usually that it would be a, um, a systematic review. So a systematic review is, is uh, when somebody has a, a very specific question. Uh, so let's say I, um, I've done a systematic review on massage uh, and uh, mechanical neck disorders. And so we do uh, a, a literature review on all the research that's been published about massage and, and mechanical neck disorders. And then uh, they synthesize all that information and come out with a, um, a statement at the end where they say all the papers on this topic say X, Y, and Z. And usually they'll say um, there's, there's this research is missing, this could be done better, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a really good way of, of sort of starting to understand how to look at the research papers, um, is, is looking at systematic reviews. Um, because they will they will give you the best overview to start off on a topic. 
Um, and then under that would be to look for, uh, for therapy wise, it would be randomized controlled trials. Mm. Um, and that's only for therapy, um, uh, mainly for therapy. Um, you know, there's other questions that people have, which is, you know, the, the causation of something They could be looking at comparative, um, papers, uh, you could be looking at, um, and I'm talking about therapy now, then you could be also looking at, you know, the, the qualitative versus quantitative, uh, research. So the quantitative is our set, our, uh, randomized controlled trials, and then your qualitative, which is more questions and understanding how people think and their values and those kind of things. Um, those kind of papers are really good too. Mm -hmm. Uh, but in all these categories, the systematic review or, or um, a review of some sort is a, is a best place to, to start right. um, as, as, a, as a lay person or a new, a new ish person to read. And, and, stick, and sticking also to well known journals. Right. Uh, there's a lot of, and that's a problem right now, a huge problem actually is there's a lot of journals that are predatory journals, meaning that they, they will publish anything from anyone without question, right. as long as you read them. Um, <laughs> and, and that's a, it's a massive problem. And, and a lot of these journals, unfortunately, are based out of India and, and China right now. And so you have to be super careful about what journals you are reading. And, um, and uh, PubMed is good. Uh, it filters most of that junk out. Uh, Google Scholar does not. Right. And, and no, no, uh, a good uh, transition would be start with PubMed and then find the, the papers that you're interested in, and then go on Google Scholar to, to try to find the PDF uh, for it. And this is assuming that you're doing it on your own. There must be groups out there that are doing such things and sharing with each other, given our, our current social media spaces. Oh, yeah, there's there's oodles of, of all kinds of really good, um, um, not journal clubs, but, uh, discussion groups on, on, on Facebook uh -huh. uh, and particularly, um, Facebook sort of seems to be the, the main, uh, discussion area. Um, but, uh, Twitter, uh, is also a good, good place for, you know, if you follow some of the more well-known researchers or clinicians, a lot of them do share their own uh, the papers that they've been reading or have discussions and debates about right. it. You know, you you do have the option of just sort of lurking in the shadows. <laughs> you don't have to engage in the discussions. You can just sort of look and, and, and read and digest what people are saying. And, and uh, right. you don't need to feel any pressure to, um, to engage in that discussion until you're ready and, and want to. Would you call it a responsibility of a good therapist to stay abreast of research? Oh, absolutely. In today's world, if you're, if you're not, you, you know, you should be trying. Nobody is, is going to be knowledgeable about everything and, you know, putting pressure on yourself to, to feel that you have absolutely have to know everything about all the research that's coming out is, is not. Uh, not realistic. Mm -hmm. So I, I always tell people, you know, you, you need to, you need to be realistic about what it is that you can uh, assimilate. Um, you can also, and, and also be realistic about, uh, or being open to being wrong and, and being wrong about, or, or not right. knowing, uh, being comfortable in that space of, of being, of not knowing everything and, and, and acknowledging that you can be wrong in, in, um, both in your previous knowledge and in your current, right. it doesn't, that's not a reflecting on 
reflection on on who you are or reflection on your on your um, knowledge base um, you know your knowledge base can be excellent and you can just be tripped up about something mm-hmm. uh, and not be aware of, of 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 a genre that in within let's say you know today's world of pain pain science is is it's just exploded in the last five years uh five to ten years and there's so much to catch up on. right so you know yeah we all all have to continue that uh process but at the same time don't don't beat yourself up about it yeah how would you what support research as a as a lay lay therapist uh, i don't even know if that's a word but uh, how <laughs> how would an individual support research other than say reading and saying abreast of some of the current researches is there a, is there other things a, a, a massage therapist can do yeah um i think that the main way to support it is to be engaged uh-huh. and 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 um integrated into your your practice integrated into your into your uh, teaching if you're a teacher uh, either in a school or a course, reading um, the, the the one and only massage therapy journal um, that um, RMTBC is a part of of supporting uh, that one. You know, making sure that you're sort of uh, getting the updates for that. You have the ability to go to some uh, conferences or symposiums. Uh, you know, some people go uh, to the the fascia conference, which happens every three to four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Massage Therapy Foundation in the U.S. that has their conference that happens every two to three years. You know, there is the local associations that have their conferences that are often uh, have a significant research base to them too. Right. Um, being engaged, um, I, I, I think it's unrealistic to think that um, your average therapist needs to publish research. Uh-huh. Uh, you can be engaged in writing, um, writing articles, uh, writing case studies, uh, case reports. The Massage Therapy Journal uh, does accept uh, case studies and, uh, and does publish them. Uh, there is like the, the Massage Therapy Foundation in the U.S. has um, a, a practitioner competition uh, that happens yearly, I believe, uh, where you can submit your case study and, um, and, and win some money for it. Right. So there's new numerous ways. A lot of lot of different ways of, of, of engaging and being supportive. Yeah. And and uh, you know if, if if research interests you, you know you can you know, get your get your bachelor's degree, get your master's degree, and um, you know see if, if if you actually want to produce research and and be a researcher where you you know you can, you're uh, producing it. And there's many levels to that too. You know you can. Be a master's uh, prepared student uh, or prepared therapist that um, that uh, publishes research uh, at a certain level. You don't have to become uh, a PhD, mm-hmm. although the profession would greatly benefit from having more of those. Right, it strikes me as a way for an individual to use a skill set that they spent lots of time learning and go down a, a different path with it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I know quite a few therapists. Uh, there's a few here in, in BC now uh, that are masters prepared, and uh, and RMTBC is supporting them through our the the uh, masters grant uh-huh. that is given out to people once a year. And if I remember correctly, is fourteen thousand um, dollars to help you uh, go through uh, the masters 
program and, and produce um, a final thesis and a final project that is related to the misastrophe fields and that helps build our our um, literature and our knowledge base. Right. And so, you know, there, there are, there is support, uh, you know, if you are interested in going into research. Yeah. And I imagine there, there's probably a reasonably high success rate if it's a low population that's utilizing those things. So if you're super keen, you'll be well supported by the structures that are already in play. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's, um, you know, um, I don't think there is more than five to 10 applications that come in each time there is a uh, mm -hmm. competition. So it's um, yeah, definitely, and sometimes, sometimes less. So good odds, very good odds. Yeah. You're not, not playing a, a, yeah. a large lottery, you know, where it's one in, in, in a million. Right. One of the questions I had for you was I've known you off and on for probably over a decade now, and you've always struck me as a person who loves research and, and the science behind what we do or what massage therapists do. And I'm curious about the drive, the driver for this. Is there, have you always been like that? Is it just come from within or is there something, something else at play there? Yeah. An interesting question. I, I, um, I've always been a person that likes to read and likes to understand things. Um, that is a, an internal drive, I guess. I grew up uh, spending a lot of time with my with my grandparents on my mother's side, who were um, uh, school teachers, principals, and librarians. Um, and so, being in that environment, um, you know, you were always exposed to that that need or that um, idea of, of understanding, learning, and and furthering your own uh, your own self. Uh, so I guess you know, looking back, that's probably where it grew out of and you know i guess my own personality to a little bit uh, uh -huh. and then as i went through school you know i was 19 when i went into massage therapy school and and um i really had no idea <laughs> what i was doing i just knew it was an interesting program but as i went through school and my eyes really opened up to to uh, the knowledge that was there and then wanting to understand the body more and wanting to understand the profession more and so that drive really um, so we continued uh, through that and, and, and through my 25 years of practicing, uh, as I talked about earlier, that um, you know, the, <clears throat> when others question our knowledge or others ask questions about our knowledge, um, you know, I'd like to be able to answer it with, with a good, uh, solid found, uh, answer, answer that is uh, based in, in, in science rather than mm -hmm. it just is, <laughs> right? So, yeah. And that's that's really where it, it comes from. Try to instill that into my into my into my children, you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. There's there's you know there's lots of lots of different types of knowledge too. Like myself and my wife are, are very very different as far as what we do. My wife is a, a stereotypical artist, you know. She's an awesome uh, painter. She's a, a opera singer. She's a writer. And she lives in that emotional world. And, and, you know, here I am, I live in my <laughs> very uh, sort of science-based world. And, and mm -hmm. um, it's, it's awesome for our kids because, you know, we talk about how knowledge of, of, of in all those areas is so important for them. 
and uh, to to watch them uh, grapple with uh, you know the science, but at the same time being more connected with their with their music you know, musical or artistic inner selves, and, mm -hmm. and it's quite interesting. Yeah, I, I think probably humans do better when we're exposed to lots of different ways of being and knowing and and it's fortunate for your kids to have that in their parents the diverse the way you guys process and work on things being diverse is useful for them because then they yeah they don't just have two sciencey people <laughs> telling them this is how it is <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah yeah if you were to change one thing in our profession just as uh, if you had a magic wand what would you change would you change anything or do you feel like it's it's plunking away quite well in the moment oh yeah <clears throat> well the changes that i've seen in the profession since i graduated um, and then talking to people um in, within the profession like uh, peter and margaret bear you know they've, they've been in it even longer than i have um mm -hmm. we're, we're on a good roll you know we're on a good roll uh, um what i would i wouldn't change anything specifically but i would just say you know we need to put it put a little more push into uh, this definition that we talked about about how we are, we're a healthcare profession and and, and um, supporting the science within the profession more um, and putting that emphasis on it improve continuing the improvement that we've already started you know continuing the improvement in our schools continuing the improvement in our association and our college and and how we define ourselves and 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 being uh, the constant um, learners that we want to be that I think that is where I would put the emphasis uh, rather than um, you know, something that I don't like and I would like yeah. to be gotten rid of uh, in the profession. Uh -huh. That's a good answer. It's also not uh, going to ruffle any feathers. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it's a, you know, uh, since my uh, retirement from, from RMTBC, I don't really worry about that anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I've never experienced you as a person who cares if you ruffle feathers or not. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, you know, that's maybe a little bit of a drawback in my personality. But, yeah. Um, it's also a, it's one of those curse blessing kind of spaces. Yes. Yes. Uh, final question before you leave uh, yeah. today. It just, I always like, especially when people have worked for many, many years in a particular skill set to know what they would, if they would tell the younger version of themselves a few bits of wisdom, what would you tell yourself when you had first entered into the field now that you've been in, in this particular type of work for 25 years? Is there any thing you'd do differently or any words of wisdom for your younger version of you? My younger self? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Well, when I came out of school, and, and I see this often when kids come out of school, they feel like they know everything, you know, and, and that is, um, you know, the typical curve of knowledge. You know, you come out of school, you, you feel like you understand understand the world, you know, you, you've discovered this new uh, area that you studied for so long, and you feel like, oh, I mastered it, I, you know, this is awesome, and mm -hmm. uh, come out of school and, and uh, developing that 
that honesty of of and humbleness of um i don't know everything uh i think is a a, a key component of of anyone that that wants to do well for their patients and further themselves as a therapist mm -hmm. And I wish, you know, that that would have happened sooner for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I might have, you know, I might be a little headstrong. And so it could have taken me a little bit longer than some people. Um, uh, but yeah, that that would be the, the thing is, is be comfortable in not knowing everything and mm -hmm. continue to try to figure it out. Um, and being open to questioning, questioning yourself and questioning what you've learned. Without being too critical of yourself, you know, without being too feeling like you know you failed, right? You don't know yeah, because that can overwhelm a person in the beginning, absolutely, as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I've and I've talked to a few people now, and in that space, in that exact same that answer you gave, if you're feeling that that space of overwhelm, people like yourself are super useful to make connection with and get advice from. Uh, you're not a lone ship striking off into the the west trying to find new world or, or anything like that there, there's many people who've gone before us and that was one thing i was terrible at was was being humble enough to ask questions of people who'd been there for longer and it's probably still something i i've gotten better with over the years at but uh it's it's one of the things 20 year olds do i think too is is think they know more than they know and stubbornly adhere to it until it kicks them in the butt yes absolutely and that that not that that's a bad thing i think it's it's just part of a a process for for many of us mm -hmm. yeah great that's that's awesome bodhi i don't have any other questions to ask you at this moment we have been discussing bringing bits of research onto the podcast and you've said that you'd assist in doing so so down the road we'll probably have bodhi back for moments at a time sharing a little bit of useful information about what's current in the world of research and I'm kind of excited about having you show up for those things. So if you've loved listening to Bodhi's sultry baritone today, <laughs> you can come back in the future for uh, for him as he shares some of his love of, of science and research. And they'll be uh, interspersed in some of our future podcasts if everything works out. I look forward to doing it and, and uh, really enjoyed conversation today Dan. yeah yeah Bodhi thank you very much and uh, we're attempting to streamline the podcast for everybody who's listening so that we get out one to two a month I'm going to post the dates and keep to those dates now that my life has settled a little bit and hopefully this 2019 year will be a real positive one for massage therapy now and everybody else out there and all of the various goals people have set for themselves this year yeah thanks again Bodhi and have a great day and we'll talk to you again soon I'm sure awesome yes looking forward to it <laughs>